Father, just as I step forward, Lord, this morning, I pray the prayer of, of your word. In Psalm 119.17, do good to your servant and I will live. I will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things in your law. I'm a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Father, I pray that as a prayer for the, this morning, for me and for all those that, that are here and that are hearing this message. That, you know, this is, I, I just feel privileged actually to speak after Danny spoke last week <laughs> because the, the, the uh, message he gave and the word, you know, can you hear? Are you tuned to hearing the Father's, the Lord's, the Spirit's voice? And, um, you know, and as Samuel discovered that he needed to learn how to hear, even though he was clearly in the presence of God. You know, that the verses in Samuel 3, it talks about how he's sleeping beside the ark. And he knows God. I mean, he wasn't there and didn't know him. He knew him, but he didn't know him. Not yet. Not the way that the Lord wanted to reveal his heart to him. He was in the house. He was present. He was there. He was doing the things. But the Lord had something more for him to learn yet. And he had to then have that learning by one way only, by revelation. It had not yet been revealed to him. And I, know, I, I, I pray that there's revelation and that as I speak this morning, I, I do pray and I do say what I'm going to say in faith and in trust that you're hearing what the Spirit is saying, not just the ink on the page or the noise that comes out of here, but it's what the Word of the Lord is saying. And I think too, you know, I, just, I was led uh, while we were worshipping that. Now, you know how the, the story or the account where Jesus um, is, he heals a, a blind man. Now for some, Jesus just, he touched or he just spoke or for some people, he wasn't even present. He said, we'll go home and they'll be healed or they'll be delivered, whatever it is. So there's, there's no set formula for all of this. It says spirit leads. You know, you see the wind by its presence, by the fact that the trees are all bending over sideways if it's Wellington, you know, or <laughs> you know, or the leaves are all gone in the middle of summer. <laughs> um, but you, you see where it is and where it goes. You, you see the presence of it. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. He can move through here. And some just completely miss him. But it's a work of the Spirit. And so Jesus said to this, this man, and if I can remember it correctly, you know, either he just he touches them, or it's a bit of this. Okay, you're lining up for that one. <laughs> I guess if you're a blind man and you know the one who you're coming to, you're lining, you're running to him. And what's his response? Um, I see men walking around as trees. Or if in New Wellington, bend over like trees. And Jesus touches them again. And what do you see now? Well, I see clearly.
it's a move of the Spirit that He's at working. Now, we, you know, the Scripture talks about that we've, and I've, I've spoken this before, you know, that we've, we've gone from glory to glory. It was a little bit, the men weren't trees. They never were trees. They were always men. But he never had that sight. He was blind. He knew there were men and women and people and cows and dogs and everything, but I know, assuming he was blind from birth, he'd never seen them. So he knew that they were there. And when he had sight, he could see them as trees. And then further revelation came, further clarity came, and he could see them as the reality he actually already was in. He just hadn't seen it clearly yet. So the revelation had to come to him by the touch of Jesus, by the touch of the Holy Spirit. And as it is that we have, having accepted Christ as our Lord and Saviour, come into reality. You know, I was just thinking, I was was struggling for examples. You know, the the word reads it as the glory that was given to Moses now appears, which was amazing. As I said before, it turned up by an angel. I mean, that would be nice. It makes that look as though it's no glory whatsoever compared to the new glory we're already in. So sitting in the car at night time driving here and the little pilly little lamp thing that's in the top that gives me light appears as absolutely no light at all when I step into here. And all the lights are on and it's like, molly molly, this is what it's like to be light, in the light. Now I could, like that man, come in partially seeing trees, men as trees, but as I submit myself humbly before, I could stay like that and go around telling everybody men look like trees. Or I could s- submit myself to the work of the Holy Spirit and humble myself and say, Lord, speak to me, speak to me, speak to me, reveal to me, reveal your heart to me. Because I know I've come from a glory where there was light and I find it hard, especially as I get older, to read the little words on the page until I come into here and I've brought into a greater glory of light that I'm already in and I can see and I can see clearly now and I can see people. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying about the message this morning which I'm talking about being born again and born into a new kingdom, into a new reality. If this is going to be awkward, I was just thinking before about um, if I bought with me every little device I'm using for the searching the word. There's my telephone, there's my work telephone, there's the tablet, there's my laptop, there's a work laptop, there's my PC, and there are three Bibles that I'm using. I can have all of that and completely miss them. (laughs) And the sad thing is, for a long part of my life, in the essence I had, bear in mind, I'm like Samuel in the house and missing He's he's speaking. I'm just not knowing it was him or how to hear him. So this is something about being born again and understanding the reality of what we're born into that he's been speaking to me about over the last few weeks. So that as Greg was saying, there's a power in what he was speaking. And I was sensing the same thing. 
thinking there's a transformation that must take place within our hearts if we're to enter into. And I think in that verse that um, Vera read out in Colossians, I think it was, it talks about all, all that God has for us and all the fullness of God, that when I'm consumed, when I'm filled, and this is a message about me, if it's applicable to you, then hear it in the heart, hear it in your spirit and receive it in the spirit. And remember, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. There's conviction to lead to repentance into the fullness. Okay? So if I can hear that myself, I realize that's not me. If I, having received all the fullness of God, which I'm longing for and going after, I don't look like I've been sucking on lemons. And that was a line from Jim Hearn. <laughs> He used to lead us in Avantaronga as a pastor, and he said, my goodness, it looks like everybody's been sucking on lemons this morning. <laughs> I go, well, that's a bit harsh, Jim. <laughs> He's saying, well, maybe look in the mirror, Paul. Um, but I guess for us to understand this whole whole concept of being born again, we really need to go back to grassroots. This is what he's been speaking to me about to understand what this really means so that I can actually lay hold of what really is. If I don't, well, I've just got some sort of casual acquaintance with it. And there's much, much more. I do not want to get to the end of this and go, oh, there was more. I want to hear him say, son, well done. You pursued me. I know you. I know your heart after me. And I was able to give you what you are seeking. So if we go right back, right back, if you've got your, your word with you, right back into Genesis. Is that those lights doing that or is that just me? Because it looks like it's flashing in my eyes. If we go right back to uh, Genesis 1, 1 to 6. Yeah, it's right back in the beginning. You know, it's funny, sometimes as we're going through these things, God just keeps speaking and sharing different things, and it's trying to find out, Lord, what do I not say? <laughs> you know? And I want you to hold on to this, because it's actually quite significant when we understand, again, the fullness of what he's laid upon us as upon other parts of creation. Um, but I say Genesis 1, 1, 1 to 6. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let, let there be light. And there was light. God said the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness and he called the light day and the darkness. He called night and there was evening and there was morning on the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse between the waters and, the, and to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse of the water above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky and there was evening and there was morning of the second day. I Just, just hold on to that. Just store that, those verses in your mind. As we read on a bit, we jump over to verse 2 uh, and 16 and 17. We've gone, we would have read through the account where God then carries out the work of creation and he creates mankind. 
and he has everything that's there for man. And man at this stage, as we know, is walking in this uh, perfect unity and harmony and relationship and intimacy with God. And 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So the Lord's giving a very clear explanation to to humanity, to Adam, what is actually going to happen or what will happen if he steps into disobedience. We keep reading, we jump across to chapter 3, verse 1, where we see this now start to unfold and unravel. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord God, uh, any of the animals the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Notice how he, he starts to cast doubt and how important it is for us to know the voice of the Lord, to hear his word, to stand the enemies that are set against us to give a different voice. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. Now she's just added something there that God didn't say. So there's a doubt that sets in place. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So we know the, the account is that unravels that they then take, or, or Eve takes, eats, gives it to Adam, and he takes and eats. And immediately, immediately, their next actions, we've just sung about it, their next actions come out of a broken relationship. And, I mean, anyone here believe that God's a liar? Therefore, he speaks truth, and what he said would happen, would happen. In fact, it did happen. And you, you can tell it did happen because of the evidence of their actions. It was now visible. You could see it. As soon as I did that, relationship broke. And fear comes in. And fear now starts to dominate their behavior and force their actions. So what do they do? Oh, I can hear God coming. Let's hide. What part of intimacy is that? Let's hide because I was afraid. So surely you would die. Surely they did die. Now clearly they're still alive because they're somehow trying to sew fig leaves together. So physically they've not yet died, but spiritually they had died. That broken relationship was there. Hold that, because there's a reality for us to understand that this is what we are before Christ. If we don't really lay hold of that, then just as Greg said, we're to be pitied, because it's only about this. And I guess we 
struggle with the issues around being a Pharisee, maybe you're sad, you see, because <laughs> there is no life. There are no angels. That is sad, you see. Okay, let's jump. Let's jump way up to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, 13. So just gapping back a bit to where we left in the book of Revelation, our battle from that point forward, from the moment that we became separated from him and the intimacy with him and spiritually dead, from that point onward, our eyes are open to our own reality, but they're now closed to God's reality. For spiritually, we are dead to his kingdom. We're now absolutely alive to our own, but spiritually we're dead to his kingdom. Now he re-emphasizes this in Colossians that disappeared, if that's what was up there. Colossians 2.13. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh... He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. When you were dead. Oh, it's got to hit home that I'm dead. Romans 5.8. Here's the power of what he has to do for us to work through this problem. Oh, I love this in verse 5-6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die, but Christ demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, separated, fallen short from God's standard, standard, away for him, dead in our transgressions and trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Amazing. So, we need to grasp the state that we really were in or may still actually be in. Without his intervention, if we trust his word to be true, he states that we are dead. Adam and Eve had the true knowledge of the God, of God the Father, true unity, true life, until separated by death. Adam and Eve did as God said would happen, die when they fell short of his standard. From that moment on, as I said, death entered in. I love that, what I just read. When we were powerless, we're powerless. None of this can happen by the agency of man. It must happen by the Spirit of God. That's the revelation. That's the 
the rebirthing, the newness, that's the transformation, that's the life of the kingdom of God. It all happens not by our own agency, but by his agency. That's why it was so important, as Danny um, pointed out. So I, I loved it. It was a beautiful message. And I loved hearing. He says, go back. Go back and say, yes, now I'm attuned to hearing you. Say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Now I can hear you speak to me because I know it's you. It's going to be in the agency of you. So when Jesus walked the earth and he was speaking of a completely different paradigm that the people that uh, should have known about it could understand, um, he was forced to have to speak at different times. He would speak in parables and different times he would speak clearly to bring the message so that people could actually receive from him and hear what the Spirit is saying. And we read in in uh, John chapter 3, verse 3. Make sure I will turn to it here. Oh, thanks. From, from chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. It's interesting Jesus replied to that, to that, to that statement. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So now... Yes, it's just a whole train of events for Nicodemus. It was like, what? One thing I, I just ask you to, to hear, looking through this and looking at the different Gospels, we hear the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God being used at separate times for different statements, and yet they're used interchangeably between the different Gospels. One Gospel might say kingdom of heaven in this instance, and another one may say kingdom of God. So they're interchangeable. They have slightly different meanings, but they also have specific different meanings. So the kingdom of heaven tends to mean a physical place, and the kingdom of God tends to mean the power and the authority of God. So it's, it's within the context that he's speaking that we've got to receive the understanding of what this statement is being used. But you cannot see the power and the authority of God unless you're born again from above, from the kingdom of God. And here's where Nicodemus loses it. Well, what do you say? I have to, how can a man crawl back inside into his mother's tummy, into her womb, to be born again? That's just simply nonsense. What are you going on about? Uh, where do we get to? Verse 7. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You'll hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And I love that it, you know, Nicodemus almost ends up into an argument with Jesus. How can this be? And he goes on that whole chapter, and I'd recommend you go home and read it and meditate on it and sit on it with the Lord and ask him to speak to you because the, um, the rest of that chapter unravels 
some of this uh, communication about we speak of things that we have seen. If we speak of things that are the physical and you have struggle with that, how are you going to receive things of the spirit? So it's just like the wind or the breeze. It's got to be received by the spirit. So ask, sit, wait with the Lord. You know, I was sort of joking before about the about the tablet and the and the iPhones and the all of it. Even even this. You know, when the Lord spoke to me during the week, he talked about a, a Elisha. I'm pretty sure it's Elisha. He gets sent into the cave. And he has to wait and there's a storm. He says, you know, God's not in the storm and all that. So he, the point is that he was being sent away. Well, if, we, if it was today, I'm sure there'd be a tablet in my pack, the iPhone in my pack, probably a Bible or two in my pack, maybe some other small device that I've got. It's all got the Bible. It's all got the Word and everything with us, with, with me. What did he have? Nothing but the Spirit of God. He didn't have a cart with full of scrolls that he was dragging along. He had whatever he had already um, built and sown and had revealed into his heart and his intimacy with God. And so as you sit with him, as you, we have all of this, as we sit with him and with a word, let his intimacy speak to you about the revelation of this because he goes on to speak about being born again. I love, as, you, as we read on, what everybody knows, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his, own, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 now speaks to the reason why from God's perspective, which I believe was not this perspective that the... Uh, both the disciples and the Pharisees had. He said, For God did not send a son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. They thought that the kingdom of God was coming in a, in a flesh manifestation with a sword in the hand to establish the kingdom of God right here, right now. And Jesus said, At this point, at this time, I haven't come to condemn the world. In fact, the world already stands condemned. I've come to save it. It's completely different. Well, hang on. What does that mean then about the kingdom of God? That also must be completely different. It's not come like this. In fact, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's not talking about this. It's something completely different. The the whole issue of being born again, you know, I've just I was just looking at the verse. I've got some verses here where he was where the Lord was speaking to his disciples. We won't go through them all. Um, in in Luke eighteen thirty one to thirty three, Jesus actually gives a, a, an example. He speaks to the disciples and says, "Look, the Son of Man is going to go up to Jerusalem. They're going to uh, arrest me. They're going to beat me up. They're going to spit on me." And they're going to kill me. And then it says, oh, the disciples didn't understand. And you're like, well, was, his, was his words unclear? 
I mean, I, I read that, and it was pretty clear what was going to happen. But that, they were walking with him, they knew him. But I think if we get back to what I was just saying before, they had a different paradigm of what the kingdom of God was actually going to be about, what was going to be achieved. They didn't get it because the paradigm was wrong. It was in a completely different place. And as we um, look at the other verses uh, that are similar, uh, Matthew, we can see, and Greg's spoken about this several times before, about Peter said, who am I? He says, you're the Christ. Well, this has been revealed to you, not by the agency of man, but by the Father, by the Holy Spirit. Well, the whole thing must be revealed by him, including being born again. So we may, as, as I know from my own case, have heard him, had an intellectual understanding, had a yearning and a pulling in my heart and my spirit, which I believe was and is by the agency of the Holy Spirit of God, to come into it and to be born again. But it could easily have just been an intellectual knowledge that says, oh, well, that's, that sounds important. Yes, well, that's, that's all very goodly and all, all looks very um, good and clean living, so we'll step into that. Either way, it still needs to be by the agency of the Holy Spirit. And so having, having in my own life, having come into that like that, I really believe I was like the, the man who seed men as trees. And for a long time, still because I believe that God birthed that right in, in me from very young, a desire to love and to know him was operating by the agency of man, not by the agency of the Spirit, and needed an awakening by the Holy Spirit that I really believe only came through a breaking of me, through a humbling, through a being on my knees and on my face, weeping and crying out, and knowing this much, and I've said this before, okay, this much I know, I will trust you because I have faith in you that you love me. This much. If you've loved me this much, that you're going to lose every drop of blood that you have so that I might know you, you're not going to go, right, now I'm going to make it hard for you. I'm going to pull a carpet out underneath your feet just when you get there. He's not like that. So in my broken state, I'm going to pursue you and continue to pursue you, and I will wait on you, and I will not force it to happen when I've done that before, it's disastrous. I will wait on the Lord. And those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength because it's new. It's a whole new thing. If the start is in the flesh, the finish will be in the flesh. If the start is in the spirit, the finish will be in the spirit unless we decide to take hold of the reins again ourselves, like the Galatians. Galatians 3, 1 to 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? That was and can still be me. But daily, 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 daily take up your cross. Daily, it's a, a death of myself, a release of my own life, a submission to him, 
and then I'll step forward in the spirit. And that's a greater intimacy that is growing, a greater clarity, a greater sight, a greater love that's formed within me. And the beauty of this is when it is a work of the spirit that's being worked out in me, in you, it does become evident. It must be fleshed out or worked out in the flesh. He says, you love me? Yes, I do. Great. Love this person. If you love even the least of these, my brethren, whatever you do to them, you're doing it to me. So you cannot say you love me but hate your brother. Well, I love my brother. Really? Well, your actions don't look like it. There's a great love. Now, I can't, oh, well, now I have to love him. Okay, well, that's great. That really works. (laughs) No, it's like this. Father, I love you. My heart, my life is laid down before you. Brother, sister, why did I just do that? I don't even like that person. <laughs> I don't know. I find that there's love growing within me. I overcome the, the dislike part and I'm loving you. Why? Because of something I need to be fulfilled in myself? Not anymore. Because you fill every part of me. The all that Vera read out this morning. So it can't be because I'm trying to get something from you. And now suddenly there's something that's different that is taking place to where it was before because I'm in a different kingdom. I'm, I've been born into a different kingdom that functions differently. And so I might even be amazed at myself going, wow, yeah, yeah, because this is the work of the Holy Spirit at working. Well, more of it, more of it. And it might mean that even the loving my brother says, yeah, okay, it's fine. Now, okay, now you go experience some things. It doesn't mean I have to tail around trying to fix everything with a person. But I can see there's an expression that's changed within my own heart. So, you know, um, both Sam and Sandra spoke some beautiful examples and, and messages earlier on about coming into the kingdom and this, this reality. Because remember right back when I said before about... Um, about in Genesis, it talks about the waters. The reason why I was emphasizing that is because in the story with Nicodemus, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you cannot be born again. And in fact, if you read on from that, it explains it. It used to be a mystery to me. I thought, I don't get this. It's not clear. Yeah, because I was seeing, like a man seeing men who look like trees. And he had the revelation of the Holy Spirit because like like the um, disciples who just said, well, they're going to kill me. What do you mean? Or, they will kill, kill me. Kill me. Oh, I don't get it. Okay. And John goes on and says, the water's flesh, spirit, spirit. <laughs> anyway, so here we have this, this example. The waters represent everything that's created in the flesh from the waters. I understand there's some peculiarities around that word there, but the, the example is very clear in John. It is about being born physically and spiritually because there was an issue that happened back in Genesis we just read about, I'm actually born dead because we're all recipients of the same issue that flowed from Adam and Eve we're born spiritually dead 
So we must be born again. Sam gave the message, he spoke about a, a baby being born. The baby's very aware in its own baby understanding that it's in an environment that's in the womb. They're very soon about to experience this. And the baby is born just like that. <laughs> Anywho, back to the spiritual example. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the baby is born and then suddenly the baby is in a different reality. It is a completely different reality for the baby. The whole uh, message around the, the, the butterfly and the metamorphosis you know, be um, changed or transformed or metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind. So the only bit that, remember, the only bit that we've got to play in this is about the humility of our own heart to say, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. So in order to come to God, you must first believe that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him diligently. So I have enough understanding to believe and have the faith that you exist I cannot outwork this myself. So I surrender myself to you. And it's the work, it's the agency of the Holy Spirit that births something within you. Now comes this work of the transformation, the metamorphosis, the renewing of our mind by the power of the living word under the power of the Holy Spirit that a surrendered heart works to, that goes to work within our heart, within our mind, renewing the way we're thinking that suddenly I find myself loving the person I didn't even like. And I start saying, well, yeah, more of this, Lord. This is how you're working. I surrender I surrender. And so the butterfly is a beautiful example of this. The butter, you do not see a monarch butterfly landing on the swan plant and munching away on the leaves. It actually can't. If it goes back to a swan plant, it's for one reason only, to reproduce itself goes back into the world to reproduce itself. I want you to hear that because right now, the Holy Spirit is putting that on your hearts right now. And I know he spoke to me this morning that he's touching hearts right now. For you to understand, to come into the kingdom of God is a completely different place to this. But the reality of living that must be fleshed out in this, so that you can reproduce the kingdom of God. Not by the agency of man, but by the agency of the Holy Spirit. The butterfly cannot even bite the leaves. Its whole mouth has changed. It's completely different. You don't see it tucked up and shuffling along the leaf, living like a caterpillar anymore. Hear this. If you are born again, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour into your life, you're born again, but you no longer have to shuffle along a leaf. You're a completely new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and that you can enter into, breathe in the Spirit. Let his lifeblood flow through you and surrender your heart to him. 
and you'll find that that change takes place. It's a little bit like, and please, this is not a lesson about the ethics and morality of one kingdom taking over another. It's an example of a reality of two different states. So just when the soldiers and sailors came from England to New Zealand to take over and conquer New Zealand, and, a, and the Maori saw them for the first time, going, well, they're different. Haven't seen that before. And the captain is going, yes, I've come from the, the kingdom of the United Kingdom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. There's uh, palaces and there's um, uh, houses and uh, streets. And, yes, it's, it's incredible. And, actually, we've come to take over. And, well, okay, one, that's not going to happen. And, uh, two, uh, it can't be. We have, you know, pungas and punga houses and thatched and things like that, and that's how things are. The captain of the guard is saying, well, okay, but no. And what he doesn't do is hop on the telephone or send a carrier pigeon back to the kingdom of the United Kingdom or the kingdom of Britain, I'll call for two different examples, and say, oh, by the way, do I have authority to take the land? He knows the authority. He has already been sent in, and he knows the reality of the kingdom that he's come from. He's seen it. The Murray man has never seen it. He's got no framework to think about what a, what a palace looks like. Nothing. Yet the captain does. Because he's seen it, he knows it, it's a reality in his life. He has no problem thinking about it, he just does it. Well, actually, I've come in the authority of the kingdom that I've got, and equipped with the tools that I have, I'm going to take it. So I please hope you can hear what I'm saying. This is not a lesson on the morality of taking over New Zealand. It's an example of the two states of the kingdom. So that we live... In a different kingdom, the captain didn't go, oh yeah, by the way, I suppose, I suppose England doesn't exist. Oh, I suppose there is no power. I suppose I must live like this now and then revert back to, to a dead state. So that that is the same for us. When we're born again, birthed by the Spirit of God, there's a new reality that we've been brought into. We just need to ask ourselves, am I walking... Have I had that revelation? Am I having that revelation? Am I continuing to have that revelation of the love of God and of the kingdom of God? There's something completely different in that kingdom. There's spiritual gifts. There's the fruit of the Spirit. There's the life of the spirit. These are all spiritual gifts. They're all spiritual things. They're not the natural. God can take the natural, and I love your drumming, <laughs> and he takes the natural and he puts the spirit upon something that is physical and, and equips a person, but that is of the spirit. There might be another person who could never prophesy and yet the Spirit comes upon them, and it is totally a spiritual gift. It's of the kingdom of God, and it's of the Spirit. It's definitely not of the physical. It's a different reality. So I would ask you to ask yourselves and to sit with the Lord and ask him, Lord, what does it mean for me, to me? What are you saying to me about being born again? 
What is the reality of the kingdom of God that I might have missed or might not have seen? What is it that Paul was talking about? What is it that Danny was talking about? What is it that Greg has been talking about? Because it's not what we're talking about. It's what you, Father, are saying. So, Father, reveal to my heart, is there something that I'm missing? Is there a shift that needs to take place in me? Is there something I need to step into? Is there something that I need to let go of? Open my eyes. Let me hear from you. So I want to ask right now if there's anyone who has heard the word this morning and realized, I don't know this kingdom that you're talking about. I don't know that I've been born again. I don't know what it means to be born again. If there's anyone here that that's resonating within your heart, then I would ask that you simply, where you are, call out to God. He's drawn you here. And ask him, God, will you reveal your life to me that I might be born again into this new kingdom, into this new reality? And if there are people here this morning that know they're born again, but feel like they may be stuck. They feel like they may be um, not hearing what I've been speaking about. Then I'd pray that you would ask him to say, Lord, I know I've been born again into your family. I know, I know that I'm in your kingdom. I just don't know that I'm growing into the fullness of your kingdom and that my heart is being transformed, a bit like Greg was talking about this morning in, in the worship. But I want to, I really, really want to, then I would ask that you pray right now. And if you want to, after we've sung, for prayer, then come forward. I'd love to pray, and we'd love to pray with you. Father, I pray that, just as I've been speaking, the power of your word, the power of your Holy Spirit that is touching hearts and touching lives would bring conviction to the heart and a response to the man in Jesus name